We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, good morning to you, baseball fans. We are a week in, week and change in. And this hour being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Are we ready to declare the Cubs season over, Bruce Levine? Uh, yes, we are. And uh, we will now be doing uh, NFL football every week on this show. Good morning, Matt. Welcome back. And uh, congratulations also on your new show, which is a uh, staple here at uh, the Score, of course, the hit and run, which you'll be hosting exclusively on Sundays uh, every week from, I believe, 9 until noon, occasionally uh, 1245, depending on a Cub game or this and that. And uh, it's going to be great. I know you were a co-host for many years before, and now you'll be uh, running the show yourself. And the first show I'm really looking forward to tomorrow uh, with you and Ryan Dempster. Well, thank you, Bruce. That's kind of you. Yeah, it's going to be fun tomorrow um, and all year long on Sundays. Nice to be here with you on Saturdays and with Rosie after that. And then hit and run tomorrow. And as you said, a different uh, guest co-host every week. Uh, We'll ask Ryan Dempster what it's like when you start out real, real bad. And everybody's looking around, yeah. as I imagine these guys in the Cubs bullpen are looking around, because that was another gruesome night, and there's there's nobody with a clean slate in that bullpen now. Brandon Kinsler got lit up, so there's nobody that seems trustworthy right now. Cub fans, we're here for you. White Sox fans, the uh, early optimism is fun to look at, uh, watching Mankata and Anderson do their thing. So we're here for you at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He'll read all that's worthy to be put on the air. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli, yes, indeed. The best full restaurant, of course. And the best bakery on the North Shore, without a doubt. Max and Benny's dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, bialis, rye bread. You get it. MaxandBenny's.com. Private party room and business meeting area for 10 to 150. Call John at or contact John at MaxandBenny's.com. Catering is king as well. Free delivery after a $200 order, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. Uh, love you some Major League Baseball. Seven days in, as you mentioned, the angst of the Cub fan base out there. White Sox, uh, you'd have to say optimism is uh, there right now. 
looked like a, a joyous home opener uh, yesterday from the guys getting brought to home plate in their in their Mustang convertibles, and then Yuan Moncada continuing an absolutely blistering start, which is so much fun to watch. And Tim Anderson, you mentioned with the huge day today, Lucas Giolito goes coming off a really good first start of the year for him. Carlos Rodon so far has been the best starting pitcher in town yeah. for for either, for either team. And uh, I, I bet he's going to have the best year of any starting pitcher uh, in in town. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, maybe Lucas Giolito, who you were talking about adding to your fantasy team, uh, he might be, <laughs> you know, today he goes up against a very hot Seattle Mariner team that have started off extremely well. And we will talk to their general manager, Jerry DePoto in the second half of this hour. Pat Hughes will join us at 1030. It's all White Sox. It's all Cubs. It's all Major League Baseball and inside the clubhouse for you. You mentioned the fantasy move. I didn't make the fantasy move, but I think it's telling that this morning I was considering cutting you, Darvish, in my fantasy league and picking up Lucas Giolito. I considered it. And I'm like, I, all right, I drafted Darvish. Can I really just give up on him at this point, two starts in? And do you really bank on Giolito? It's telling the state of uh, things when you think about I it. I know. And you know what? We're still all, and I believe all of us, are still into that NFL mentality about the baseball season. Yes, because right, right now, Bruce, we're seven games in. So that is the equivalent of late third quarter of the first game yeah. of the NFL and, season. So, But, I mean, I you understand it when a Cub fan says, yeah, you idiots, but the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. – who beat us last year out on the 163rd game of the season and who won the last eight out of 11 last year Mm -hmm. at the end after we took seven of eight from them in the first part. They're the ones that are now five and a half games ahead of us. And if we don't straighten it out here this weekend, we could walk into our home opener seven and a half games in the rears uh, in our own division. Now, that's never a comfortable feeling, whether it's the first week of the season, which is, if it's going to happen, you want it to be then where you have, you know, you still have 150 games left. But seven and a half games is indeed seven and a half games. Uh, some textures going after me, Carlos Rodon over Kyle Hendricks. I don't think so, Matt. That was foolish. We'll have time to make that case as the year goes along. I just think Rodon has, he has the strikeout stuff when he needs yeah. it. Uh, as, he's, as gonna to to, he's, he's just going to have to pitch a whole season. Yep, you we'll, know? we'll see if he, he can. He, and if he can do that, uh, he has plenty of quality to go along with it. But again, um, are we knee-jerking here in uh, Cub Nation? Are are people stressing and giving up on their team already because of a pitching staff other than John Lester that hasn't shown really very much so far? It's They haven't been this bad. Even four games under 500, and now they're five games under 500. They haven't been this bad since Rick Renteria was the manager. By, at any point, right. at the end of 2014 is the last time they were four games under 500. And I believe that last 50 games that year, they played over 500. So, you know, bad was a beginning, as you stated. Bad was hopeful. Bad was hopeful because they went from. 96 losses, I believe, to uh, 89 losses. So you, you go from, uh, you know, you improve that much. And it, if you talk to the White Sox people and you look at the rebuilds, the way they went, the Cub rebuild back in 14, the Sox this year, I think they would take 73 to 75 wins. 
Yes, yeah, seventy three and eighty nine. You are you are correct uh, about about how that one finished. Um, you mentioned John Lester. He has pitched six innings in both of his starts, given up two runs. Um, other than that, the other four starters have combined for nineteen innings in five outings. This is not just a bullpen right. issue so far. This is a rotation issue. This I, is an I everyone agree. issue. I agree. And when you say that, Matt then you're saying, were these guys ready to go coming out of spring training? Well, In other words, we hear about pitch count, okay? Mm-hmm. And they they got their pitch count in, but did they get up and down enough times? In other words, did they get the innings in? We, we hear, yeah, they we got my I got my eighty pitches in. They might have count. They might have come in three and a third, or they might have come in a sim game just to build up the arm. And those things are important. But what all, what's more important as a pitcher gets ready for a regular season and gets into the mode is getting up and down five or six times or seven times for the very best pitchers in between innings. You know, being able to get up and down and, and be ready for all that. It's much different than just going out there and throwing a sim game or a minor league game against, uh, you know, your own players in, in a really a non-competitive situation. You know, when all off season you are talking about internal improvements that you have to make and you do those and you're talking about urgency and the possibility of a reckoning this year for this team right here in the middle of the window – and then you talk about urgency, and then you come out and, and pitch like this, and you play defense like this. Hayward with another booted ball in center field last night. The errors have been, have been piling up. Uh, did they put too much pressure on their guys by saying it the way they did all off season? Because already this week, John Lester, the, the leader that you went down and talked to to try and ask him to step up even more, has said... You know, I think we're just trying a little bit too hard. That we're either going a little bit too hard. Brad Brock earlier in the week said, "I'm just trying to be super perfect every time, make right. a good impression." So, is, is is the strategy backfiring? Well, I don't know about the strategy. I think that there was a, you know, when I when I use the term mandate from to Theo, he balked at it a number of times, saying there was no mandate here. There was just a way that we want to go about it hmm. to be best prepared for championship season, and he put it on himself and Hoyer. He put it on Joe. He put it on the players. He put it on the coaches that were there before and now the new coaches that uh, we have to be prepared and ready to uh, scoop up those games that are on the table early in the season so that we're not satisfied with winning two out of three, that we we win that Sunday game just before we come home. Um, You know, I I think – I understand the mentality and, you know, when he when he went about some of this, you know, I compared him to the Lombardi approach to, you know, getting people to get the very best, you know, out of themselves. I, I do believe that can happen. But when baseball, you know, there's another team playing. The National League happens to have probably 12 or 13 good teams, okay, contrary to what you see in the American League where there's six or seven. And – to state that your focus and your desire to win is above someone else's hmm. is I don't think Epstein ever said it was. No, Andy, but, but I understand what, what you're saying. But what he's what he's saying is our focus can be good enough that we can win those games. And those ninety five wins can turn into hundred and one or hundred and two. Um he he's not putting a number on it, but what I, what I'm saying is 
you have other teams that have that same focus going in. You have very good teams in the uh, National League. It's going to be a dogfight for all the positions, including the wild cards in the National League this year. So to uh, to put that pressure on yourself and on your team, I think, you know, John Lester is right. You know, putting too much on yourselves at the beginning. The other part is something that I saw from spring training on. Obviously, I was there the whole time, and that is uh, that the bullpen was light. They didn't replace Wilson. They didn't replace Chavez. Uh, they brought in a Brock, who was sick most of the spring. Uh, they they had Montgomery, who was hurt for two and a half weeks. They had Strope, that was hurt for two and a half or three weeks. So you you got some slow starters coming out of that bullpen there. Yeah, and 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 Bruce, even just the other day, they said. Uh, Theo said, not looking to make any changes, got to get these guys into roles and get them rolling in whatever roles there are to find. But then there's word coming out of last night in Milwaukee from some of the beat guys that there could be a couple of pitching moves. Yeah, I I think they have to, you know, you you have, uh, uh, I don't, I don't think it's Dunsing who was uh, waived and then re-signed and optioned to Iowa. Because he pitched, I think yesterday. I think it's Alan Webster. Was the it best. might be Webster? Um, might be Maples. Might what? May, might be both of them, yeah. or, or, or Webster and yeah. Dakota Meccas. But, but you have to be careful with your roster because you have you have guys only a couple guys that have options. I believe Rosario and Carl Edwards right. are the only two guys that have options. And 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 sending Carl Edwards out would probably be a logical thing to do. It should happen to. But. Them. There's there's some emotional baggage that might go along with that as well. well he was supposed to be mm-hmm. one of your most important pitchers at the back end of your rotate of I, your bullpen. I feel like we've been saying that for three years though, and 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 Joe continues to put him out there in crucial situations and in unclean situations as well. Not yeah. starting the inning, he, he puts him out there because that's what his job has been to be that middle closer. What's what's the game that Les plays? Pick your poison. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what it is right now. Well, yeah, right. With all due respect to those guys who are working hard and trying to do their very, very best, but it's not coming out. But Edwards is a mess. He is an absolute mess. He's always struggled a little bit with mechanics, and the travesty of him working all spring on this this toe tap delay that is rendered illegal immediately in the opener um, in the opening series in Texas, and now he's trying to figure it out. You can't have him trying to figure it out on the big league level. He looks to be an absolute mess mechanically, maybe emotionally. I don't know, but send send him down. And I don't, I, I don't know if they have to get approval to do it. I don't, I don't think so. But it's, he should be down, and Alan Webster should come up. Um, I, I think today. The thing about Webster um, and uh, Dunsing, who you mentioned, if those guys come up, and then you want to send them back down, they would have to clear waivers. Those two guys specifically. Why they're out of options? Right. Dunsing wouldn't be a problem, right. probably because he's making three and a half mil, and nobody's going to grab yeah, that. Right. But you might lose Webster if you decide you want right. to send him well, down. You again. know. Maples is probably your guy, so mm-hmm. you know. So that that's probably the that's probably the in between move. He's got a power arm and showed well in spring training. You know, again, you're going to have to go to your. Theo said this the day we uh, left camp. We're going to have to have eighteen to twenty pitchers. Yep. To to get this thing done, and 
we're going to have to count on some of our guys in the minor leagues, and there, there's no doubt that I don't think he was thinking about April 6th being the date. No, but he wasn't. Nonetheless, uh, that is the situation. 312-644-6767. Cub fans, Sox fans, all baseball fans, uh, you are welcome in. Uh, you want to start taking some calls, man? Well, let's take a break and come back and take some calls. And okay. uh, um, I'm looking forward to talking to Jerry Depoto, who has made some crazy fun moves. Trader Jerry. Oh, my God. That's right. He's the Jack McKeon of, uh, of, yep, of our era. Yeah, absolutely. It's 670 The Score. Callers, hang on. Coming right back to you to talk Cubs and Sox on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. In there before, I've, I've actually been... Uh, one in seven start that made it to the playoffs, I think. And also, I've been with a team that's 1,800. They got back to, not that I want that, they got back to 500. So I've been in different situations. It's, uh, it's never fun. It's Joe Madden, who has been the manager of teams that got off to terrible starts and came back and made the playoffs. And another team that was real bad came back and made 500. That's the position the Cubs are in here 10 yep. days into the year. Well, you know, six-game losing streak, uh, that'll have you back on your heels any time of the year. But when it's the beginning of the season and you're uh, expecting to uh, get off to a fast start, and certainly you cannot blame the offense. No, that's the thing. I mean, the they are putting up, other than the shutout, uh, you know, they've been averaging well over, even with the shutout, they're averaging 6.6 runs per game. They've played, listen to this, Matt, They've scored 10 or more runs three times. They've lost two of them. Okay. How is that possible? Oh, God. The third in the majors in on-base percentage behind the Phillies and the Dodgers. I don't think offense is going to be a problem this year. Doesn't look like it. No. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, there's a, there would be a lot of positives that we'd be talking about normally right now if the team was uh, and won three or four games. The fact that they have to start a season – with nine road games, just like the Red Sox have to start a ridiculous 11 road games to start the season, is <clears throat> conceptually not not, ideal. not not good. It's yeah. not good because you're, you're basically doing 15% of your your road games for the whole year in the first week or ten, well, first 10 or 11 days for Boston. Absolutely. And the Cubs had uh, started last year – with 10 games on the road, they were five and five. And that's, that's fine. I mean, you're going to play 500, you know, to start off the season on the road. If you play a few games over 500 during the year and you're, you're taking care of business at home, you're a playoff uh, contention team. That's weather protection from the schedule makers that the Cubs might be complicit. It it is. It's also, I think, and we'd have to do a little bit more work on this. It's also a part of, um, you know, I was talking to Mitch Rosen about this this morning is uh, getting, you know, the ballpark having been repaired every uh-huh. year for the last five years. Uh-huh. Uh, it gave the Cubs a little bit more time because of weather conditions to make sure that the ballpark was stable for opening day. So that was a part of it as well. But starting this many games and again, it's 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 an excuse and it's not a good one, but it's a reality that. Uh, most teams do not play nine or ten games on the road to start the season. This is Bill and Elgin first up on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. What's up, Bill? Uh, well, yeah, uh, Bruce, I have this question about Madden and Edwards. Uh, part of this has got to be on Madden because uh, he admitted he knew about uh, uh, the illegal uh, pitch delivery back in spring training, mm-hmm. but 
he opted not to do anything about it. So he he let the kid go out there in a the game against the Rangers before he found out about it. And uh, apparently, you know, history shows that Edwards gets gets uh, uh, all shook up with anything like that, and, and and it's in his head. So I think part of Edwards' failure at this point has to be on Madden also. Well, I mean, that's possible, but the Cubs have a pitching coach. Uh, they have a front office. If Joe knew all of this, I'm sure they knew all of it as well. Well, and I think they didn't want – they wanted Carl to try it because he'd been working on it all spring. But it's not like just a delay like Kenley Jansen or Kershaw or David Price. It was actually a toe tap, and that's the issue. You can't right. do that. Right. So they did him a disservice by letting it happen in the right. bigs. But the point is, is uh, Carl or CJ, whatever you want to call him, is already an accomplished pitcher who uh, helped this team win a World Series. So we're not talking about a rookie here. We're talking about a guy that kind of lost his way and lost his confidence at the end of 2017, if you remember oh, yes. uh, Washington. Bryce and- Harper home run. And then in the NLCS, the four-pitch walk to you Darvish as he waved right. the bat at him. Since then, and there have been other moments too, I right. haven't had the confidence. Right. Um, well, and- obviously, Carl hasn't either. Right. But Joe has. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's a power arm. We heard the same thing about Chatwood last year, and Joe's job job as manager is to to chat it up in a positive way in public. I mean, that is, you always have to have your guys back. But the reality of the situation, Matt, is when you look at Edwards, you see a guy right now that comes in, and he's kind of dragging it. The, the body language is all bad. That's that's absolutely evident. And it's one thing to say good things about a guy in in public and in private. It's another to keep putting him out there in crucial situations when he doesn't appear to have his uh, have his act together. This is Ron on the South Side on six seventy. The score. What do you say, Ron? Hey, man, look here. First of all, congratulations on the show, man. You know, so I'll be definitely listening. Call congratulations, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, real, real quick, guys. Uh, certainly, Yohan Mankata, I mean, what can you say? I mean, this is what we were expecting. But, Bruce, you had asked a question. Who would really be a, a key player that you were looking at this season for the White Sox? And I told you it was Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. Two, two nice outings so far. So I'm very impressed in, in seeing that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Lucas Giolito pitch today. You know, it, he had a nice performance, but let's see, you know, can back it up with another. But guys, so far, uh, it's just good seeing it. You know, seeing Tim Manners, Yo, I'm the kind of guys that are going to be part of the, the rebuild, and this is going to contribute to what we said. Eventually, the White Sox have to start winning some 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 games. So. So far, so good, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, Ron. I'm glad Red Sox fans had a joyful home opener yesterday. And the opponent is a difficult one because Seattle has started off to a great start this year, and we are pleased to be joined by the general manager of the Seattle Mariners, our buddy Jerry DePoto, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, guys. For the record, I'm not as joyful as, as Matt is. <laughs> uh, but, but Jerry, it's, it's a joy just to even look at, looking back on the transactions that you did this particular offseason. Bruce called you Trader Jerry. I said you're J- the Jack McKeon of our era here, going, uh, going absolutely crazy. Been fun, though, right? We've had a blast. Maybe that's uh, our way of spreading joy in, in the Pacific Northwest. We, we've I, like Bruce said, we're thrilled with the start we got off to. 
we restructured the way our roster is built, and we're pretty excited about where it heads for us. Jerry, uh, I talked to you at uh, the GM meetings, again at the winter meetings, about um, that this is, you know, in your mind, it wasn't a, it's a, not a total teardown. And yesterday, you, as you and I were conversing, we talked about what the Yankees did about three years ago, where they were, they were a pretty good team, but they they felt they had maxed out with what they had there, and they started trading off uh, some veterans at the uh, trading deadline, and they did a, a very quick restructuring rather than a tear down and a, a wait for five years. Was that in your mind as far as you know where your club's at and the talent that you have? It definitely was, and I, I think that was a great model. Uh, the Brewers and what they've done over the last couple of years is a great model for what we've tried to emulate and just trying to avoid that 10-year downtime. And uh, smart people once told me that the, the best time to initiate change is when you're having success. And, and uh, you know, we did have an 89-win season last year, and we really didn't think we had an 89-win team. And you know, it would have been very easy to just chase the next win or find the free agent who was going to take us from 89 to 90. But we thought our biggest challenge was going to be back out and replicating that 89 with the same group of players. Jerry, fans have grown accustomed to a full-scale rebuild when they see like pieces sold away and prospects are brought in and winning is not prioritized on the big league level. You didn't strip it down quite that far because you brought in guys like Jay Bruce, Edwin Encarnacion, and then there's Domingo Santana, guys who are going to play right now. So what was the thought process? Would you call it kind of a, a rolling rebuild? Would you, would you call it a half strip down? What was your, your strategy there? Yeah, at the time I referenced it as a reimagination, and that, I guess, caused all kinds of discussion about what that actually means. But we just tried to reimagine the way our roster looked. And you know, we kept what were probably two of our three or four most productive players from last year in Mitch Hanniger and Marco Gonzalez. We still have, although we've not seen him this year, we still have an organizational stalwart, a guy like Kyle Seeger, who's still just 31. And adding Edwin Encarnacion, Jay Bruce, and the like, gives us a, a little bit of a now core. And if you add guys like Domingo Santana, what we think is a nice piece with Omar Narvaez, we went out and we, we still had Ryan Healy on hand, who we feel like has made improvement year over year. And it gives us something to grow with. And what we were able to add in prospects that we feel are pretty close. We don't have to look forward four and five years to watch prospects from the draft gestate, we can look forward to later in 2019 towards guys like Justice Sheffield and J.P. Crawford and, and Eric Swanson and guys like that who are in our system and we feel like are very close to contributing. Jerry DePoto, the Vice President General Manager of the, of the Seattle Mariners, joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. And Jerry, with your background as a pitcher for many years in the, in the big leagues, as a scout for a long time, and also your uh, your strong attention to the metrics world for many many years, um, do you see um, do you see more people going the direction you are right now as far as well trades are going to have to be where it's at because from the the indication of the marketplace just over the last couple months it appears that free agency is not a place where people are going to be able to go and get well any longer with teams tying up their own guys. There are so many, this is not just extension season. It's a, it might be extension era. And 
at locking up your own young players, even guys who only have a few years of control left or are now signing for, for multiple years into their early mid-30s, and on up to what we've seen with guys like Arenado and Blackman and Trout and, and just the celebrity players signing big long-term contracts. There is an argument to be made that that's a new form of free agency. But the one thing that the clubs are able to, to manage better by, by going the route of the trade or the extension with your own players is you're able to control the age of your roster a little bit more. And, you know, that's something that has become a real focal point for many front offices. I know ours right. across the right. league. It's, is, is yeah, thirty thirty one is the new thirty five, right, Jerry? I mean, uh, after the steroid era, you have to take such a closer look at when a guy is going to start breaking down and not be the same player. So nobody is rewarded any longer for having had five or six great years if you're thirty one or thirty two. I think there's some, re- I, I guess, realism to that, and one of the things that we as an industry are adjusting to. I, and this is from front office to scouts to players is is what baseball looks like, you know, after 30. And and while I still think there's, as can be seen with some of the deals that were signed this offseason, there's still a lot of money out there to be made for players in their 30s. It just might come in the form of contract extensions signed in your late 20s, or it might come in shorter-term mm-hmm. contracts that pay larger AAVs, which are becoming a little more fashionable. You know, it's interesting because we looked at the free agent stall uh, this past offseason as, as the owners trying, owners and front office guys trying to redefine the economics. But the way that you're saying it is so interesting because why not pay the guys for, for, for their best years, which are going to be those early years. And then you've got them locked up. Yes, you're paying more for it, but that's where the value is. It, 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 it makes a lot of sense. So you think we'll see this continue? I, I do think so. And I, never more evident than with guys like Eloy Jimenez and Ronald Acuna. And I, I know, and, and, and Bruce will recall this for sure, I, I came up as a player with the, the Cleveland Indians in the early 90s. And, and we made a big turnaround in the American League Central. And largely, it was mm-hmm. attributed to the fact that John Hart and at the time, his assistant GM, Dan O'Dowd, they, they were able to lock up a lot of the good young core players to long-term contract extensions. And, it, and I won't preempt it by saying club-friendly. I mean, some of, the, some of the, the annual values of the contracts right now is very much free agent dollars. They're just paying. They're just being paid out at a younger age. And the club is starting to assume a little more risk with the certainty we're providing for young players in order to effectively maintain control of that player through what, what should still be prime years of their careers as they get into their late 20s and early 30s. Jerry DePoto, our guest and Inside the Clubhouse for just a few more minutes. Jerry, um, how much uh, actual physical scouting do you do with the pro scouts now? as opposed to uh, using uh, your people in the office and using metrics as a, uh, as a tighter measure as far as uh, what you want to do. There are a lot of clubs are just backing away from their pro scouts until you know, mid-year or toward the end of the year looking at uh, major league players. And, and a lot of pro scouts I see now working uh, Class A, Class AA early in the year and uh, getting their expertise on younger players and other organizations rather than looking at major league players that uh, you can't really even react on until three or four months later. 
Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good question. We, we, have, we have adjusted our scouting schedule to better emulate what we're doing at the big league level with our roster. So over the past three years, our pro scouts tended to spend a fair bit of time, and especially our, our special assistants who are, are out there scouting, have spent a fair bit of their time early on at the big league level and most certainly through midseason because we are a pretty active trade team. Right. And this year we've shifted our coverages to start and, and really immerse ourselves in the minor leagues at, at the earlier part of the season because we feel like that's the more likely trade target as we move forward are our growth-type prospects. And I think you have to scout smart. We, we, we invest at both levels, at the amateur and pro levels in our scouting group. And we're trying to figure out ways to scout more efficiently and, and just scout smarter uh, and understand that the easiest, I, I shouldn't say the easiest, the, the most logical trade that you're going to be able to make uh, is to acquire a younger player who's further away and embodies more risk. That's the player that, that most teams are more likely to mm-hmm. trade as opposed to you know, what we acquired this offseason were more polished and major league ready prospects. You have to be trading star level players or you know three four win players in the in the war system in order to get those type guys. But you can go to the to the A levels, and I think the White Sox are a good example of this. The the Houston Astros are a great example of this. In recent years, where you go tap into the Sally League, the Midwest League, the Carolina League, and and you you wait two three years, and you may unearth a star just by waiting. Jerry, uh, your new Japanese pitcher, Yusei Kikuchi, who we got to see yesterday, I, I've heard that there might be a plan afoot that like every sixth start for him is going to be like a one-inning opener. That's an interesting thing to consider, even if that's not the specific plan. I guess I'm wondering if you feel like you know more about preserving arms than you did four or five years ago. It's such an inexact science. It truly is, and I think the, the answer to that question is we as an industry know more about how to better preserve arm health, and particularly in the case of the, the NPB free agents who are coming over to, right. to MLB. You know, we, we've seen now, whether it's you Darvish, it's Daisuke Matsuzaka, it's, it's, it's way back in the day, it's Hideo Nomo. I, we've watched, I think Tanaka and Kuroda are the two guys that really stand out. They're, they were good command pitchers who had real stuff, and they've been, well, no longer Kuroda, but really durable, outstanding Major League starters. And the rest of the guys that came over, they tended to get off to really strong starts. They piled innings on very early. And then by their third year, in in most cases, they were either out or having some type of impact surgery. And what we're trying to do is make the assimilation a little easier for, for Yusei and hopefully for for the Japanese pitchers who start to come our way. But uh, we're not smart enough to have figured it out. We're just trying something a little different. And this is what we do with with our our prospects who come out of high school and college and have have thrown high number of innings at the minor league level. We we tend to, every fifth or sixth start, we cut it back and give them a one-inning start so that we can manage their innings while getting them through a long season. And that's what we're trying to do with Yusei is just get him his 30, 32 starts without maxing out his innings and putting him in the danger zone. Jerry, in closing with you, Matt, and I appreciate your time. Uh, as far as projecting ahead here, uh, just your baseball acumen and knowledge, does it tell you that uh, there's going to be some changes after 
maybe even before 2021 in the, the CBA, and maybe Major League players will be paid at the entry level much more like NBA or NFL players, a higher AAV to start their careers, and then uh, the the fact that uh, only the stars will be getting long-term contracts and that even if you're an entry-level player, you get four years in, you've still made a great living and no harm, no foul. I wish I knew the answer to that question, Bruce. I, I can say that to a degree, I think that's already started. And a couple of the things I'm most encouraged by are the fact that there is already rhetoric between the league and the, and the PA and, and that, there, that we are looking toward conversations before 2021. It, because that stands as an ominous date unless we take care of our business. Right. You know, it, the other is that seeing what is happening around the league with players like Acuna, with players like Eloy Jimenez, and I don't think that's the last you'll see, even in the, in the short term. We are starting to recognize the need to, to lock these players up when they're younger, to, to make them financially stable, and, and really it's to make them one-home players. That, I, it appeals to our fans. It appeals to, to us as organizations. And, and frankly, having walked a, a day in their shoes, I, I, I'm an advocate for it. I think it's a great thing for baseball and, and the young players. And, and there's always going to be a place in the game for the – for the veteran player who's been there, who understands how to do it. And I think you're seeing adjustments around the league that will better define where they fit both contractually and, and on the roster. Jerry, if you made a, make a trade today, could you text me right afterwards? So, <laughs> I'd like to beat yeah, Rosenthal yeah, once yeah. in a while, if I can. I saw the last four <clears throat> years, Jerry, in all of baseball – the Mariners have made 72 different trades and or player purchases the last four years, far and away number one. So you get the reputation by, uh, yeah. uh, for, with merit, Jerry. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out a way. Our, our whole goal is to try to figure out a way to win on the margins and give ourselves a chance to stay as competitive as we can be. And I know people have had a lot of fun with the trade, but we, we, we didn't have a particularly flush minor league system when I got here, and we were trying to stay competitive with a really talented core. And, you know, I, arguable we've not made the postseason, but you know, we, have, we have had the fifth-best record in the American League over these last three years. And I know it's been sometimes a, a bit of an adventure in how we've gotten there, but we're trying to put good teams on the field, and, and now we're taking a new tack to, to see if this works for a long, sustainable future. Jerry, thanks again for joining us and adding a lot to our show. See you out at the ballpark, okay? You got it, guys. Thanks, Jerry. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The playoff-bound Chicago Wolves look to clinch their third straight division title tonight and tomorrow afternoon. Both games are full of great promotions and have free parking courtesy of Kia. Tickets start at $12. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for information. And bottom of the hour also brought to you by Campland RV. It's Campland RV's huge tent event from April 5th through the 14th. Find great deals just in time for camping season. Go to CamplandRV.com for details. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. We'll continue our talk on Cubs and Sox at 312-644-6767. Text uh, Matt at 67011. We'll talk a little bit in depth, maybe some more positives on the Cubs. What do you see as the positives of the Chicago Cubs coming out this first week after the 1-6 and six start? Do you Ooh. see anything that you can feel good about moving forward as uh, they are getting ready for opening day after this, well, what would you call it? Um, 
interesting, horrific, and, ugly stuff. And what would you call these next two days? How important? What's the level of importance on a uh, first, second week uh, series with your arch rival? October starts in March, I was told. So <clears throat> feels kind of a like, like a like a bumpy October. And plenty of Yuan Moncada and White Sox conversation next hour as well. It's inside the clubhouse on six seventy. The score. Bruce Levine was there at the White Sox home opener yesterday. want you to describe that scene for us when we come back, Bruce. You're taking your phone calls on the Cubs and the Sox at 312-644-6767. But a, uh, a fan base that needed a really good day, had an unbelievable start, and then the game came back, got tied, and then the offense just kept on blowing up. You know, we watched Makata and Anderson do it uh, from spring training on. We'll continue our conversation on that. Pat Hughes joins us at the bottom of the hour. You're always encouraged to join us. Join join us rather at 312-644-6767. It's going to be a fun season. Doesn't look so much like fun for the North Siders right now, but there's a lot of quality there. There's much reason for optimism if you can uh, hopefully get by this weekend here and start a uh, homestand that uh, begins a, a lot of home games over the next month. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It's Inside the Clubhouse. We're back with your phone calls and more on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 